The scripture reading for this morning is taken from Colossians 2, verses 1 through 7. I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. You may be seated. Thanks, God. Well, that is, most of you may be seated. A few of you cannot be seated. If you're one of our mission partners who is here today for the mission fair, would you stand up? We just want to recognize you here. Sahara's here, great. Well, we have one of you here. The rest are setting up. Um, be sure, if you have time, to stop by Snelling Hall afterwards and just see all the different mission things that are going on in the community and the things that we are supporting, that you are supporting as a church. So, now the other thing is, Gertie, will you stand up? Yeah. And uh, Corey, will you stand up? Come on, Corey. And Ida, will you stand up? These are, these are our three blondes that we talked about last week, and uh, they are new members in the church, but they weren't here to receive their certificates, so I have their certificates. I don't think the Mosbys are here, or the Gustafsons. Okay, we'll embarrass them second service. Here are your, your certificates. Congratulations. <laughs> Yay. They are a part of a class of about 24 that came in as members last Sunday. So we're excited to have these new members come. You know, this morning, we're back into Colossians. Well, we're going to be there for quite a while. And if you remember what Mary talked to you about last week, she mentioned three things that we were all going to remember, right? And, and remember, it had uh, something that we can remember it by. Pat, thank you, very good. And uh, those three things, the P was what? These are things that we should be doing. What's the P? Proclaim. That's good. We are to be proclaiming. What are we to be proclaiming? Oh, my. You could have not been here last week and you should have got that one right. We should be proclaiming the gospel. We should be proclaiming Christ. I mean, that's always the answer, amen? Okay, you got that. Okay, that's the P. The second thing we are to be doing is what? I knew you'd remember that one. And, and I missed it? Oh, what I just did. I admonished you. Yeah, that's good. I'm so biblical. Yeah. We are to be admonishing one another in what? In love. We're to admonish in love. I mean, it's real easy for us to admonish out of love. 
In fact, some of us are perfect admonishers, right? We love telling people where they're wrong. I was going to say, wives, you no, but I'm not going to go there. Because you'll tell my wife and I'll be in trouble. She'll admonish me. So admonishing, we should be admonishing one another in love for the sake of the gospel. All right? So we need to be proclaiming. We need to be admonishing. The third thing, P-A-T, we need to be teaching. I, I like what the Blanchards are doing. They're teaching their children. They are raising them up. They are dedicating them to God, and they are teaching them about Jesus. We need to be teaching about Jesus. We need to be teaching one another. We need to be teaching others around us about Christ. And then Mary said last week, we were going to look at the answer to the mystery. You remember that? And the answer to the ministry is what? Jesus! Didn't I tell you that's always the answer? You should have all been saying, Jesus! Ooh, that almost sounds Pentecostal, doesn't it? Let's try that. Jesus! Now say it as if you're really admonishing somebody. Jesus! Oh, yeah. I like this. That's what we are about. That is the mystery that comes. In fact, we're going to see that in these verses, but we're going to see another mystery as well. And, well, you can pretty well guess what that might be, but you'll have to wait till we get there. Let me share a little story with you this morning. Uh, a truck driver was hauling a load of 500 penguins to the zoo. You can tell this probably is not true. Unfortunately, his truck broke down. He eventually waved down another truck and offered the driver $500 to take the penguins to the zoo. Have you heard this one yet? Who's heard this one? Oh, good. The next day, the first truck driver got his truck fixed and drove into town and couldn't believe his eyes. Just ahead of him, he saw the second truck driver driving a driver crossing the road with the 500 penguins waddling single file behind him. He jumped out of his truck, ran up to the guy and said, What's going on? I gave you $500 to take these penguins to the zoo. To which the man responded, I did take them to the zoo, but I had enough money left over, so now we're going to the movies. Isn't that a cute penguin joke? <laughs> you see, the reason I share that with you is we sometimes get an idea about what things are supposed to be, but we really don't quite understand the purpose. I mean, this man understood he was to take the penguins to the zoo, but he didn't put two to two together and figure out he was to leave them there. Well, this morning as we come and as we look, we, we come oftentimes hearing the message of the gospel over and over and over again. And yet we come to the place where it's kind of fuzzy. We're not quite sure exactly what it's supposed to be all about and, and what we are supposed to do. If you'll remember in sermons past, we we looked at this whole idea of the supremacy, the, the being, Jesus being first, the supremacy of Christ in our lives. We talked about how Jesus should not only have the highest spot, but we should be all about Christ. 
that he should be the center and everything should emanate from Christ in our lives. Today, we're going to take those two things, we're going to put them together, and we're going to look at the reasons for living. And what a beautiful passage for a Mission Sunday, because it does exactly what our mission partners do. It does exactly what we do as a church. By the way, Mary and I went down to Presbytery last week, and let me tell you, every time I come back and stand before you, I feel how blessed I am to have you as a congregation. How blessed we are to have this church and the things that we do in this church. So blessings and thank you for that. You know, in Colossians chapter 2, verses 1, and we'll probably only go through verse 5 today, and we'll pick it up from there next week. It answers the question, now that Jesus is supreme in my life, what is my purpose as a believer? And we have already talked about Pat, that we are to proclaim that we are to admonish, and we are to teach. Let me suggest three more things for us this morning. And the first one is that we should work, that we should work wholeheartedly with his energy. I love that. In fact, look at uh, verse 1. Can you even, Marge, can you even go back to chapter 1, verse 29, without too much trouble? We'll see. We'll see how good she is. Look at that. She's great. Good job. Okay, look at this. This moves into verse 1. To this end I labor. Okay, who's speaking here? Paul. So he's talking about, okay, here's what I spend my time doing. This is what I'm laboring with. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy. Whose energy? Christ's energy. Yeah, not Paul's energy. He is laboring, he's struggling with all of Christ's energy, which so powerfully works in me. Okay, remember that. Let's go to verse 1. I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. Let's look at some of these words in this. Okay, so the idea of to this end I labor. The end, what is the end? What is he laboring with? What is he doing? What is his purpose? Spreading the gospel. Preaching about Jesus Christ. Putting Jesus Christ before the people. Now, let me tell you, if this is Paul's decision, and it is, and if this is Paul's primary motive to doing things, and it is, then his task to bring Jesus Christ, to proclaim Jesus Christ, is paramount. And if that's it for him, that should be it for us as well. So to this end I labor, this proclaiming Christ, I labor. And labor means to grow weary through hard toil. To struggle, which is there, comes from the root word, which in Greek is translated agony. So I agonize to do this kind of thing, to bring this forward. And guess what? For us, it is to be an agony. It is to be a struggle. Now, some of you say, it's an agony for me, all right. In fact, I think about bringing Christ to people, and and I begin to shake. In fact, I begin to run, because what happens if they don't accept Jesus? You know, that's our problem. We put our ego on the line when we do something like that. 
And we think, okay, what happens if I, if I share about what I believe about Jesus Christ, and what if they don't like me? Who's it all about when we're doing that? Ourselves, isn't it? Yeah, it's about our own feeling there. What if they don't like me? Did you ever think about what they're missing if you are not sharing that? Do you ever sense what might happen to them if they don't know Jesus Christ? For Paul, he was agonizing over this. He was struggling over this. It was his end. It was what he needed to do. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. The idea there is he has struggled through this life to be pleasing to God, to present the gospel. And if that's his desire, it probably should be our desire too. But the good news now here is we already talked about it is through not Paul's strength, but it's through the strength of Christ. Verse 29 said, with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. You see, we might translate it this way. Striving according to his energy, which powerfully energizes within me. And you see how that works? It is his energy that works in us so that then we can do those kind of things. You know, that makes me feel better. Because then I'm not thinking, oh, I got to be talented enough. I got to be smart enough. I have to have all the answers. I have to do this and that and this and that. And by that time, I've sold out. I said, I can't do it. But it's him within us. So, so how do I get you to, to, I mean, I see you staring at me and I, I just read on your minds, uh-uh, uh-uh, I know what you're trying to do, uh-uh, I'm not doing it. My friends, it's not about us, it's about our friends, it's about our neighbors, and it's about not our strength and our power, but his strength and his power. I have to laugh, we, we're working with our interns and, you know, to show how, how slanted we get sometimes in ministry. We were talking about this whole idea of sharing about Christ and what people are going to think and so on. And they just kind of looked at us like, huh? I don't understand that. You know, I, I, I want to do that. They, they need to hear that. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, but, 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 but. And there's, oh, no, this is good. And it's like, oh, I hope you feel that way. I hope you feel this is something that you can do without all the answers without all the strength, because it is his strength. It is his power that helps you there. I, I, I like this phrase. Paul surrendered his availability to God's ability. So what is needed on our part? The A word. We need to be available. What is God's part? Ability. We're available, he's able. Can you show up? All you have to do is show up and open your mouth. Let God put words in them. I know some of you still are not convinced. Try it. You might like it. And if you're really chicken, oh, that wasn't nice, was it? I'm glad James isn't here this morning. 
Oh, he is back there. You didn't hear that, did you, James? Okay. <laughs> if you're really chicken, pray that God might open doors for you to make you available that he might work within us. That was Paul's prayer. That it was his desire. So, do you see the cooperation there between us and God? Now, understand, the work of salvation is all of Christ and none of me. I cannot save anybody. Do you know that? You cannot save anybody. Jesus is the only one that can save somebody. I don't have the power. The work of salvation is all of Christ and none of me. But in order to live out my purpose, it must be all of Christ and all of me. Do you see that? Does that make sense to you? He saves, we just take part in helping that to happen. Now, this is a mystery. I told you there was another mystery here. And that mystery is that God would choose us, you and me, in spite of our weakness, to be a part of this whole process. Now, some of you are excited by that. Some of you thought, I wish he would have chosen somebody else. But he didn't. He chose us to be a part of that process. Now, with that in line, then our response should be, and I say should be because I know you're a little doubtful still, it should be not to hold back. It should be to use our efforts to help other people. In fact, by the way, it is probably better that we, now get this, that we burn out instead of rust out. You understand that? So with this in mind, let's go to the second thing then that we need to do. I mean, first is we need to work wholeheartedly with his energy. In verses 2 and 3, we have the second part, and that, that is that we need to help in the lives of others. Let's look at these verses, verse 2 and verse 3. My purpose is... See, I like this. If this was Paul's purpose, we ought to put our antennas up and be thinking, ooh, maybe this could be our purpose. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. Isn't it nice he puts it so clear for us? It does not take a rocket science test to get this. It, it really does not. So let's see what, what this means here. You know, what has to happen? Well, let's go to verse 3 first. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Okay, that just completes the, the task there. Okay, go back to, to verse 2. Now, the idea here in the word encourage means to come alongside. It's, it's kind of like, have you ever had to help somebody push their car when it has died? 
and, and you get out of your car or you see him there and you go behind and you're just straining. In fact, you're almost parallel to the ground because your feet are way out here and you're pushing and it's not going anywhere. Well, maybe when you push it, it goes somewhere. When I do, it doesn't. But when somebody else sees that and they come alongside and, and they help push, then it begins to move. And somebody else sees it and they come alongside and they be, and then you get the car rolling, don't you? If it's out of uh, park or out of drive, you do. Yeah. See, that's what this means. This encourage is to come alongside. Dennis, I, I think of you in doing what you were doing for this guy you worked with. Is that a friend of the family? And, and he was, tell me the story a little bit. He was, has cancer or brain cancer and, and his house was needing lots of repairs or something. And what did you do? You got a, some guys together and you helped to re-roof his house and do some other things. I mean, Dennis could have done that. He has the skills to do it on his own. But that takes a lot of work. But he got some friends together to help this man. They started pushing together. And when we push together, then we encourage one another. When we come alongside, we're able to move that heavy object. When we come alongside, God can use us to pour some courage back into the whole mix. It's wonderful when we have others walking and working with us. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are now doing. We are to encourage one another. Do you encourage somebody? Do you know somebody you could encourage? I mean, do you, if you looked around, could you see somebody that maybe is having a hard time right now? What happened if you just came up to him and said, hey, you're doing a great job. Thank you. Or, or, you know, you're really striving and good job. You know, I appreciate seeing you doing this and, and just watching you. I mean, good job. I, I love, I love to look out at you when you worship. And, and some of you encourage me because you're just so worshipful. And I think, oh, that is so good. And, and that blesses me. So, Thank you for doing that. We need to be encouraging one another. But the second part of that, you know, we're to help one another through encouragement and we're to do whatever it takes to be united in love. And, and what that means, in the Greek, it's more knit together in love. Maggie, you were doing a lot of knitting on these prayer shawls, weren't you? And, and when there isn't much there, you, you can't even see what it is and you don't know and it's no good. But as you knit more pieces together, it becomes something special. By the way, Maggie, the prayer shawl you gave me, I have on my chair here at work. And every time I come in or every time I sit down, I see it and it makes me think, you know, I need to be praying. So, you know, that is encouragement. Good things are happening. And, and see, we're not then to be out of joint with anyone. We're not to be out of joint with God. We're not to be out of joint with each other. Uh-oh. Some of you are probably out of joint with somebody, aren't you? What does that do to you when you're out of joint with someone? It really saps the energy, doesn't it? 
it, it really makes your heart do things that you don't want it doing. It, it really gives you bad vibes. It gives you, in a sense, poison in your system. Because whenever you see that person or whenever you think of that person, ah, you know, that kind of response. I guess I would challenge you this morning to work on that relationship. And I know, I know your attitude. I don't want to. You don't know how they hurt me. You know, every time you think about them, they're still hurting you. Every time you see them, it hurts you even more. And it's going to happen that way as long as that exists. You can't change the way they think, but you can change the way that you think. Encourage one another. Be united in love. Now, I don't expect miracles to happen. I know I should. I'm the pastor. But I know who God's working with. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about me. I just lied. Sorry. And so I know it's not that easy. But I do know it's something that we can work on. By the way, also, you think we work on that all by ourselves? Or do you think maybe back to verse 29 that God works in that as well? That's an interesting thought. If there's somebody that you're separated from, that you're out of sorts with, maybe it's not just your power there, but maybe it's God's power there. You see, I, I don't think we can do it alone. I don't think we can just decide, okay, I'm going to like this person now after 30 years of hating this person. But I think God can help us in that. Now, when believers are encouraged and united, it says that they will have the full riches of complete understanding. So I, I think as we take responsibility for one another, we'll understand and know more Christ, know Christ more fully. And I think as we do that, we'll know each other more fully. And I think when we do both of those, then good things begin to happen. You see, lost people can't quite understand that concept of how Christ can work in a life and change an attitude or change a ministry. You know, I love having our, our mission folks with us here today. And, and I love holding up the deacons today. Because as I, as I look at that and I think of that, we all do ministry in the name of Christ. I mean, it's a good thing just to do ministry, just to help people. But that's a temporary fix, isn't it? It's a better thing to do ministry in the name of Christ because that's an eternal fix. I would much rather have somebody starve if I knew they had Jesus. That sounds almost harsh, doesn't it? But do you understand what I'm saying? I'd much rather have the eternal aspect in place of the temporal. I would love to have both. And that's what our mission partners are working on in all kinds of different ways. That's what we as a church are working on in all kinds of different ways. That we might meet needs, 
but we meet the biggest need, and is, that is that they might know Jesus Christ. So let's see. We are to work. We are to help. Oh, and, and by the way, in that time, the false teachers taught that there's a secret knowledge and that it's only reserved those who are initiated into the program. You see, and Paul's coming here, and he's saying, you know, you don't have to be in the program. All you have to do is know Christ. You don't have to have the magic handshake. All you have to do is know Christ. You don't even have to pay your dues. All you have to do is know Christ. That mystery, namely Christ, in whom all are hidden, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Okay, one more thing. Okay, let's see. We've had five so far. How are we doing? What's the first one? Proclaim. Second one? Admonish. Third one? Teach. Fourth one? Work. Fifth one? Help. And guess what? Now we have Pat and we have who? So Pat who? I know some of you guys that should be whom. Well, maybe we'll think of another one with M, but right now it's just Pat who. The last thing here, verses 4 and 5, is that we are to delight in obedience. We are to obey. Let's look at verses 4 and 5. I tell you this so that no one may, be, may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. We are to obey. Okay, go to verse 5. Oh, verse 5. I knew that. I was just testing to see if you were paying attention. All right, let's look at this video. Kind of fun, interesting video. traveler passed by, he told the man to meditate, to purify his mind, and when he reached Nirvana, all suffering would cease. The man did as he was told, but he remained in the hole. Another man appeared. He explained that the hole didn't exist, and neither, in fact, did the man. It was all an illusion. The man who did not exist was still stuck in the hole that was not there. Another visitor arrived. He instructed the man to perform good deeds to improve his karma, and though he would still die in the hole, he might be reincarnated as something magnificent. Another man looked down from above. He taught the man to pray five times a day facing east and to follow five important tenets. 
If he was faithful, one day, perhaps, the divine would set him free. The man prayed as best he could, but he was losing strength. And in the hold he remained. something different about him. He called down to the man in the hole and asked him if he wanted to be free. This man lowered himself into the earth, into the pit. He took hold of the man. You know, as we look at ourselves and we look at the position that we're in, the condition that we are in, the question comes, do we really want to be out of that position, out of that condition? Do you remember when Jesus came to the, the man who had been lame for all those years? The man who couldn't do anything for all of those years? And an interesting question was asked him, do you want to be healed? Do you remember that? And what a strange question because, of course, he's been there 30 years. He was by the pool of Bethesda. He was standing there. He wasn't standing. He was laying there. And, and, you know, he never got in in time to get healed. Well, of course he wanted to get healed or... Or did he? Jesus asked him that question, do you want to be healed? And the man said yes, and Jesus healed him. You know, the false teachers of that day, they were telling them all kinds of different things. They were using faulty logic, enticing people with words that sounded good. And yet they couldn't deliver on the promise. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 says, and this is Paul speaking, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. You see, Jesus came and he showed what he talked about. The false teachers of this day just talked made promises that they couldn't fulfill. But Jesus fulfilled what he said. We know that words are cheap, don't we? But actions speak loudly. My friends, we're called to obey. In fact, down there we see that the phrase orderly and firm, and these are military terms. And, and I, I, Presbyterians really like those two words, orderly and firm, decent and in order, you see? We, we like things that are that way. But in the military terms, the, the men were orderly, the men were in line, the men did what they were told. 
And then together, they stood together and they were firm together. If you remember Nehemiah and Nehemiah, as they built the wall, they worked as a team. The swords at their sides. They did what they needed to do. They obeyed what they needed to do. But they worked together. My friends, through our discipline, through our obedience, we can be prepared for any kind of battle. We must each do our part. And yet we both and all of us need to stand together, united. You know, I, I don't know tonight or today if you're feeling aimless. It's dark in here, it looks like night. If you feel aimless, I don't know, maybe you're feeling bored in life. But maybe this is a call for us to re-enlist for active duty, to, to get into God's army. It's much better to do a battle together than to battle each other, amen? It's much better to understand our purpose than to go on a walk with a bunch of penguins, amen? My friends, let us work together. Let us help one another. Let us obey. And then we begin to understand just a little bit of what our purpose might be. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for calling us. Thank you for working with us. Thank you for helping us through good times and bad. Thank you for giving us direction. Lord, this day, we trust you in all of that. In Jesus' name, amen. If we could have the ushers come forward now to receive the offering.
You know, it's fun today getting to dedicate two children. Yay, Jackson, Camilla, good job. You know, we're going to have a baptism on June 6th. It's a Sunday afternoon. It's going to be up at Lake Jane. If you want to get baptized, be sure to let me know. Just fill out one of those white cards in the pew in front of you. Uh, you can't be baptized already, by the way. This has to be a first-time baptism for you. And uh, also, just thank you for being here. You know, we could go to the zoo, couldn't we? And, and I hear after, we might go to a great flick and, and see that. Or, or maybe we do what God calls, at least what Paul was called to do, and what we're called to do as well. Let's see if we can... Remember all those six things, okay? We are to proclaim, we are to admonish, we are to teach, we are to work, we are to help, we are to obey. You're great. Amen? Amen. Lord God, thank you for these friends. Thank you for the chance to share your word. Thank you for the chance to take in your word. And now, Lord, let us use your word. Thank you for those mission partners that are here today and, and how they take your word and, and help people. Thank you for how we take your word and help people. Lord, let us be together on this. Let us be encouraged in our ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. There'll be people in front to pray with you. There's a mission fair going on in Stein Hall. If you have a few moments, stop by and... Uh, have some fun.